Hello, this is the Soundcheck, Hamilton's event industry podcast. I'm your host, Gary Taylor, and I'm here today to get the inside scoop on the event industry here in Hamilton, throughout New Zealand, and today we travel across the Tasman to our friends in Australia. And this is a very special edition as Soundcheck turns one year old today. And it's such a pleasure that on our Big Bash birthday episode, we're able to chat to one of the foremost authorities on live entertainment, ticketing, technology today. I refer to Mr. Jeff Jones, the CEO of global giants TEG, coming to us today directly out of Sydney, Australia. Welcome, Jeff, and thanks so much for your time. Pleasure, Gary. Great to be joining you and forward to having a good chat to you. Yeah, as a means of introduction, uh, Jeff is the CEO of TEG and the architect of the company's integrated model across live entertainment, ticketing, and technology. Jeff's association with the company began in 2007 when he was appointed CEO of Ticketek. He spent three years growing, I would say, aggressively growing Ticketek's market share, partnerships and ticketing technology. After a stint as a partner and director of SEL, one of Australia's leading sports and entertainment companies, Jeff returned in 2011 to lead what we'd call the diversification of Ticketek and its affiliated companies. TEG has expanded rapidly under uh, Jeff's leadership to become a global leader in live entertainment, ticketing and technology. Jeff has also previously held senior executive roles at both IMG and Foster. Amazing resume, Jeff, and uh, TEG has grown into something of a global leader in the business. Can you just give us a quick overview on the business units that make up the TEG empire? Yeah, Gary, we talk about, um, in the TEG world, we talk about five pillars of our business. Um, We start with live entertainment, so we have some 16 content verticals across virtually every genre in the live space. We then have venues. We have a range of venues in Australia, most notably the Kudos Bank Arena, and we have uh, 10 venues in the UK, which are dominantly music bar type venues from about 500 people up to two and a half thousand. The third pillar of the TG business is ticketing. As you said in the introduction, we we own Ticketek. Ticketek is now in 12 countries where, obviously in in New Zealand and Australia, we're in Southeast Asia and other parts of Asia, we're in the UK, etc. So, you know, uh, we've grown Ticketek. And the fourth pillar is data and digital. And data and digital is really uh, the essence of what we what we do. We're a technology company in some respects, and we have a we, we try to use the the very very strong data analytics we have in order to you know help ourselves and all the all the promoters of various silks across various genres sell more tickets and the final pillar we talk about is commercial where we have a range of businesses in fan to fan vip and corporate packaging and sales and uh, brand partnerships to, that, that aggregated together are our commercial team so that's in essence is what we do we talk about our business as um, an integrated model where the left and right hand talk to each other a bit and we you know that's i think been the essence of helping us to become as strong as we become and um, and we continue to grow and we continue to ex- export that model beyond new zealand and australia into uh, the other markets that we now now play in so jeff it's obvious to me that you've experienced significant expansion what is your secret i mean are there any key strategies that you can tell us about that's driven the growth i think yeah the i think the the, the biggest strategy was creating this integrated model. Uh, when I first joined the company, we were we were a ticketing company, 
and we were the biggest ticketing company in this region. And we're now, a, you know, a company that's um, you know, 46 or 47 years of, of age. So we've been around for a long time. And in the Ticket Tech brand, we've we've got a very strong, virtually 100% prompted recall brand across both New Zealand and Australia. So we started there, but you know, I didn't come in as a ticketing person. I came in with a, a broad background in a range of businesses and learned a lot about ticketing. I couldn't understand when I started why we were only in that mar- in the just in the ticketing market, and I was often say to people that ticketing is a tough world. Nobody likes a ticketing company. The venues don't like it. The promoter, the producer, the sport don't like it because the, t- the ticketing company, no matter who the ticketing company is, dares to take fees for their services. But big full-service ticketing companies like Ticketek and Ticketmaster uh, have never been stronger in the the data and digital age, and we've you know we've we've grown that way. When I came back to the company, which was before it was called TG, before we rebranded in uh, early 2011, I said for us to grow and to flourish, we needed to integrate vertically and horizontally and play in more aspects of the live live industry. In April 2011, I created what is now TG Live, which to this day is our biggest promoting business amongst all of them. And we started to work with venues that worked with Ticketek, and to this day we do that, and we do that almost religiously and, almost, and and very loyally on both sides in order to bring content to those venues and you know and to help populate our business so from there we've just grown by working hard trying our best taking risk initially organically growing what we did so we we didn't have you know, huge amount of capital to deploy in those days. We've obviously now, now with new ownership over uh, the last couple of times we've been owned, we've got more capital to deploy and we've done that both in New Zealand and Australia, but also into Europe, UK, Asia, etc. So we just had a we had a plan where we we've got ambition. We like to win. We like to have a crack. We like to take it up to the to the big the global big girls and boys and uh, do our best. Yeah. So Jeff, if you looked at what sets you apart, if you like, would it be the fact that you're so multi-platformed, multifaceted? Would that would that be something that sets you guys apart? Yeah, I, I think so. I think we you know, we have this integrated model where we play in a lot of aspects of the life. Live, live performance, live entertainment industry across multiple genres. We're the only promoter globally that does concerts and music at every level from small theatres all the way to stadiums. We play in sport. We're probably the largest promoter in the world in sport. We're a leader in Asia Pacific in, in theatre per medium of only majority stake in Michael Castle Group and Dainty Theatrical and the stuff we do in that space. And we are a very big leader in family content exhibitions all range of other other sort of those sort of content so we've got a broad church of content businesses and there's not much we won't have a go at we've now you know we've got a, a motorsport division now in the within the sport where we've got three pieces of repeatable content that is um, you know really applicable in our in our markets yeah I mean I looked at your portfolio Jeff and when I see the the range of event genre music sports theater comedy family children festival arts cultural exhibitions corporate events esports yeah I, I can see what you mean about having a crack at pretty much anything w- what I what I did want to ask about is that you seem to be very busy as well in recent years making acquisitions and of course more recently Great work in getting South by South West to come to Sydney Town. So I just wondered, what are the factors that influence your decision-making process when you're considering 
acquisitions? Yeah, good question. I, and I was actually going to bring up South by, you know, which you know we're on the cusp here of it opening, uh, you know, fairly soon, and it's uh, you know, it's been a massive undertaking, and I'm supremely proud of uh, the team we've assembled to put that together. It's it is a complex beast, but there's it, just some of the some many most of the uh, over 800 panels speakers conference items etc that we've got some really compelling viewing there so i personally look forward to digging in deep with that and uh, and and learning because you're never too uh, you're never too old to learn so well, yeah, what what we've done is we've sort of we've had this attitude that we want to work with good people we want good ideas we want to explore things not everything we've tried has worked if you don't you don't try something you're never going to know we've got this theory that and the reason we're in so many genres is that you know it's not going to always be the great times of all the biggest startups in the world coming to this part of the world New Zealand and Australia and again we'll maybe we'll talk a bit later about what goes where but that's not going to you know there'll be there'll be lulls in that so we want to have a business that's not dependent on the big mega stars coming down but every day of the week we can bring to Christchurch and Auckland and hopefully Hamilton Cirque du Soleil on ice we can bring the musical theatre play Hamilton in an arena in arenas in New Zealand we can do like we're doing um, next week or I think it might even be this week uh, very soon the Desi music artist a Punjabi singer Diljat Doshan, who is coming into what is a very multicultural and an increasingly multicultural uh, Aotearoa uh, and you know sells you know magnificently as he's done in Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne. So we, we are, we're about doing different things, not just stock standard things, repeatable repeatable things because at our core, you know our, our DNA initially was as a ticketing company and our DNA was working at venues and having venue partnerships including the great partnership we got with H3 and and the city of Hamilton and the broader Waikato region. Having those partnerships and working hard because as you would well know Gary a, a, a dark venue is a very lonely place. We want it. We all want to have content there, and we're going to be careful with that content. But we all want to have content that people want to see. So that's been, you know, the essence of our of our idea is to go about our business, try new things, work collaboratively with people we can work with, with organisations we can work with, develop partnerships. And we're a very, we think we're a very good partnership business. We don't need people to give us money we need people who can you know we want people to work with people who add value to what we do in the same way we think we can add value and that that to me forms you know forms a basis of a longevity in a par- partnership yeah and i can also see that alongside that jeff are your stable of promoters and you've got promoters that are from all walks of life all genre that must bring something special very special to your organization as well yeah, no, we do, and that's it's a really um, key thing. We've got, you know, our, our business, our promoters are, are integrated into the TG way, but they act independently. And we arm the promoters with the confidence and to go and try things in a very, very competitive world across all types and we're you know and we're not just talking about music promoters, but we you know, we tend to say that. But in sport, you know, we we work in sport in the world of football and and increasingly in rugby. 
with the biggest brands in the world and you know brands people listening might heard of the the, the all blacks uh, i don't know what they do but they play rugby unlike unlike the country i live in that's uh doesn't you used to play it all right but anyway but you know but we continually work with biggest brands in world football you know liverpool manchester united yeah you know, real madrid barcelona tottenham hotspur we we you know we and we were increasingly doing them not just in our neck of the woods but uh, into Asia, Europe and the US as we've just done in, in July and August. So, you know, our focus is on, you know, we are clearly focused on New Zealand and Australia. That's our, our centre of gravity and our home base. But we are increasingly focused on the UK and Europe, Asia particularly, and, you know, in in in, in in the US into with uh, in the content space where we've you know at the moment we probably have a dozen of our of our bits of content on in a variety of cities in the US particularly in the family content space with our Pixar putt product and our our Lego exhibitions and all that sort of stuff so Jeff let's look at the current landscape I'm really interested in your take on this and if we can do some crystal ball gazing what trends are you seeing in live entertainment today and over the next few years how is TEG looking to position itself to kind of capitalize on them and in live events Jeff what's selling what's struggling and are there any big changes in customer wants and needs I know it's a big question but it's the most yeah. critical one for us guys in, in this industry right yeah, yeah no absolutely absolutely okay so what what I think the landscape it's um it's very interesting okay so we got globally and I think you know in in New Zealand as well that you know some, a lot of people are struggling and we've got to acknowledge that you know some people are saying you know we're, we're at the back end of a, a COVID a COVID spike I don't think we are I think the COVID yes there's been a lot of stuff you know on in FY23 and now more and I think New Zealand and Australia are probably 12 months in the cycle of coming out of things behind the US and probably nine months behind the UK and that's good for us because we've got more runway. Uh, there is a real move towards a, what I, we call it. We, we characterise as a structural re-rate, what we call the experience culture. Young people, millennials, Gen Y, Gen Z, all want to experience things, and they want to experience live things. So that is magnificent for all of us in the live entertainment business. So that's the biggest insight I could give you that the experience culture is alive and well and seeing your favorite artist or your favorite sporting team or what your favorite player whatever it is people will find the money and the dollars to do that now there is a limit to that but they'll find the dollars the second thing i say quality sells so tier one big artists as we've seen in both new zealand and australia in recent you know 12 months or beyond quality sells in big numbers which is great it is a bit tougher if you're not tier one so there's some hit and miss in that area another trend is there is this move at the top end of town from arenas to stadium shows so artists who are time poor who might be able to do 10 10 arenas um in one city maybe or you know that's probably a bit bit too much but you know half a dozen arenas are, are opting to do one or two small or big stadium shows and some artists are opting to do stadium shows only in big cities and get the people to come to them rather than go to the city and there's some reasons for that we're seeing and i think new zealand is probably even more so than australia there's 
a proliferation of festivals. There is too many in my view. And what that's doing is making people compete for a scarce number of acts. And therefore, people are then fighting each other, promoters of festivals, to pay too much for those acts, and they are consequently going out the back door. In some, you know, in, in some instances, or losing money. And it's becoming this sort of very early fight for content and, you know, too much of that. And that's, you know, that's going to, there's going to, that's going to hurt people. Big, another, another trend is cost at the, you know, the of cost of production, cost of infrastructure, cost of travel, everything, all the costs that a promoter wears have gone up exponentially since COVID. And the corollary to that is the people that we all rely on, the, the salt of the earth, the small businesses that work in the in the in the production space have pivoted away from live entertainment during COVID for you know to make ends meet. And in some instances, in a lot of instances, they haven't come back. So as a a scarcity, which is further increasing price and and bringing price um, up. So that's that's a sort of a fair bit in that. But there's some of the trends that I would I would say that are, are pretty pervasive in the market at the moment. Thanks so much for that, Jeff. And if we could turn to New Zealand, and if you don't mind, well, we'll talk about the mega acts just briefly. Uh, up until now, New Zealand has had a what we'd call a thriving live entertainment scene. However, it's often seen as a challenging market for international, let's call them mega stars to tour. And while we always understand that the size of our market in itself is going to be a challenge, what do you believe are the key factors that need to be addressed to make New Zealand more attractive to such acts. And I made a note just before, Jeff, I was thinking, we have an election on the weekend, and I was going to ask you, what message would you have for whoever is in government come Monday from a point of view of attracting promoters like yourselves to bring the, ex- let's say it, the expensive shows to Aotearoa? Okay, so I'll answer that last bit first. Open the wallet. In Australia, there's this, you know, so, you know I don't mean to be, to be, to be cute, the problem in New Zealand is simply one thing. It's a great, it's a safe market, beautiful country, good people, etc. However, it's the same size as Melbourne, the whole country. And we've seen with a very big artist that went on sale a few months ago and got more publicity than any artist I've ever seen. I've been doing this for a while and a number of guys is in Taylor Swift. She's only doing two cities, I think seven, seven shows, Four in Sydney, three in Melbourne, all sold out. So it's the size of the market. It's the cost to do of doing business. It's um, the fact that these artists have a, a finite amount of time because they're so popular, not, not just in our territory. Now, you know, we are lucky in that, you know, like I love New Zealand and Australia together. You know, we're probably the, together. We're probably the, we are definitely the, the sixth biggest touring market in the world. We have affluent communities and affluent affluent countries in the main. We're a safe place to visit. We're, we're a very, an aspirational place to visit because, you know, artists, sports people, whoever they are, like coming to our territories, which is great. So that's a massive tick for us. However, in New Zealand, the problem is this is the size of the market, the size of the market, the addressable, the addressable population in order to, to make money. Now, we being a company that's integrated, who has a reason to come, we do our best to bring as much content. And over the years, with the likes of Eminem and Queen and a whole lot of our artists, we have we have invested in, and, and come to New Zealand. There is just too much top-tier talent coming down, and there's not the volume of people to make it all work. I think 
you know, you're, the biggest city in, uh, in New Zealand, in Auckland, is saturated. And what we've got to do, and I know you and uh, the great people at H3, uh, you know, bang this drum. The Waikato region, you know, centred around Hamilton is a very affluent area. And so there's a good population base there. And things that we're never disappointed when we take things to the H3 venues because they always work. So we've got to, you know, keep batting. And I know, you know, you and others are that are advocate. Keep batting away there. I certainly, I'm an advocate of that. But New Zealand overall, too much stuff. There isn't, you know, the country doesn't have the infrastructure. Maybe play to your strength. I think New, the New Zealand dollar, and I'll actually add the Australian dollar into it, are, are not great at the moment. Mm. That hurts That hurts the hell out of us. We adjust to that. The problem we're finding with a lot of these artists internationally, because in the main, the artists land themselves in Auckland or Hamilton or Wellington, wherever they're going, or Christchurch. That's their cost to get there. Those costs have gone up significantly. So even their cost to get there, then their return, because our costs as a cost to service the tour, means that oftentimes that they don't go into percentages and, and make more than the guarantee because we simply, you know, the, the cost base has gone up. Now that will rationalize to a degree, but there's a you know, there's still there's still teething problems, but there isn't any easy fix to it. Certainly know that in TG we try wherever possible to bring the artists to do, you know, the five cap cities in Australia and a number of New Zealand destinations. So we do that with, you know, a wide variety of artists that we have. Yeah, Jeff, it's fair to say that we view states in Australia with a certain amount of envy. And it appears that to us that many states in Australia truly understand the value of events and fund accordingly. Is this still the case? And can you tell us if all the states are playing the game? And when does the federal government also look to come on board? Federal government rarely looks to come on board. They come on board with big, you know, global events like, you know, Rugby World Cups and Olympic Games in Brisbane and the like. It's dominantly a state based and the states have all got a event and tourism instrumentality, which is destination New South Wales or Visit Victoria or tourism and events Queensland. So we and a lot of other promoters of, of all sorts of ilks deal with them regularly. So they see the value. And I've often, you know, I don't want to be critical or get political here, but it is really hard to get a New Zealand central government to get interested in, in bringing stuff. Reader in Wellington and Auckland Unlimited, I think it's now called. Christchurch Church and you know, there's some there's some activity there, but it's not of the scale that you get from the there's always a pitch battle between Melbourne and Sydney. Perth have got plenty of money, so they play. Brisbane's always aspirational. It's got plenty of money. Adelaide's a is a a challenger and in doing really, really well with things. So you have that tension. Now that's not a dominant theme for music. That's more for sport, musical theatre, other forms, other forms of live content, and a lot of which we do. It's occasionally with music, but with music it's 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 inevitably for a um for an exclusive. You know, in recent times, you know, we brought Bruno Mars over to open Allianz Stadium in Sydney. Frontier did um, a really successful job with um, Billy Joel in Melbourne only. So there's that. It's that the, the, the governments will invest in music if it's a one-off exclusive. So the government funding is typically about board or other different content that um, that they want to bring into the market. And it's something that's a real art form in Australia. It helps the promoters a lot. And we work really strongly with all of those state companies. And it, it's a lot harder in New Zealand, no question about it. Yeah. Jeff, if we could bring it down from the, the mega acts to the kind of what we'd call more the just the regional, or sorry, or just the touring artists, what are the things that you could help us with? And if, for all the venues in New Zealand, what are the sort of qualities 
series of features, in a, in a, whether it's a commercial deal or, or, or a way to make it particularly attractive for you to collaborate and bring in content? Are there some key things that you're looking for in terms of support? Yeah, good question again. The venue, if the venue and the majority of venues in New Zealand, Australia are government-owned, yeah, government, whether it be local government level, state government level in Australia, rarely federal government. So they are, you know, government instrumentalities in some form. They're oftentimes trusts or they're, you know, they're different constructs. If those, if the venues do what you and H3 do and actively promote yourself and actively engage with promoters, you will win. You won't win all the time, but you'll win because you're there. If you sit back and do nothing, easy easy to avoid it. So I, I'd encourage you to do what you've done and keep banging the door down, keep engaging because we owe it to to people like you guys and you know and partners to to uh, to invest and bring bring talent. The second thing is help us market it. Marketing is a multifaceted thing, but any you know if we you know we're all happy if we can sell tickets because that drives the economics of the venue. So we understand the economics of the venue. The third thing I'd say, and, and you know, bear in mind, we own the biggest arena in Australia in Kudos Bank Arena in Sydney. So I get a, you know, I'm chairperson of that arena. So I get a bit of a view of what happens and where the venue makes its money, et cetera. So the venues have got to work with the promoter who are struggling with spiralling costs of security and everything else to sort of work this go, you know, when we're not having putting our hand out. If you let a promoter put their hand out, the thing will be out permanently because that's the nature of promoters. But just work collaboratively and, and go, okay, we, we, we've got to find a solution together to get things done. And you know, I'm a great believer that if you build it, they will come. And if you create create something and start it osmosis will take over and you've got something and it will continue to to evolve and become really really pervasive so summarize there speak to the promoters pedal your wares help the market help them with the cost base and ways to penetrate your market to get success. I just want to segue, Jeff, to just a couple of genres very quickly. I want to ask you about one genre in particular that is interesting to me, country music. So we've known that this genre has had a large fan base both in Australia and New Zealand for a long time, but I know here it hasn't always translated into solid ticket sales outside of some of those successful festivals you run in Australia until now. What is your take? and why country music acts are the hottest tickets in town today. Phenomenal success story. I think it's down to, and you're right, let me go comment on what you said. You know, we, we've toured the great Keith Urban for five tours now. Keith was, Keith is proudly an Australian, but he was born in Aotearoa. We've brought Keith to New Zealand a couple of times and it hasn't gone as well as we had hoped. He's done well enough, but not as well. And that hasn't been for a few years. He does phenomenal business in Australia and growing business every tour, tour on tour. These young emerging um, Morgan Wallen, Zach Bryan, who's both absolute superstars, Chris Stapleton, all these guys, these are some of the, Luke Combs, these, these are the biggest arena tours of the year. They're genuine bona fide superstars, emerging younger artists who are doing phenomenal business. So you are right, country is a live world. Maybe I'm wrong. I was I've always been told that I can't remember the name of the town, but somewhere between Christchurch and Dunedin or in that sort of lower South Island was the centre of gravity of country music. Gore. Gore. The centre of gra- gravity of country music in New Zealand. Well, there ain't enough people in Gore. Now people will go to Gore. So I, you know, New Zealand will get its share. Zach Bryan, I think, is coming out of 
God, I think a few weeks to do a one-off show in Melbourne, which will go through the roof. You know, Zach Bryan would do multiple arenas across Australia and New Zealand is that big. So yes, I, is it a is it a is it a, a a quick fad phenomenon? I don't think it is. I think it's genuinely that these artists, emerging new country artists, are attracting a broader audience and new people to them. They're they're doing you know remixes of Bart Cars and the, you know they'll. Tracy Chapman song, mm. which has been phenomenally successful, and they're really they're, and they're, you know, they're not just emerging in New Zealand, Australia. They're emerging, you know, they're continuing to grow and be hugely influential as they always have been, but even more so in their own country, in the United States. So, yeah, it's a great thing. It's again, it goes back now to that same thing about scale for for New Zealand and size of the market, and you know what's attainable. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a, it's a phenomenon, and long may that continue. Because you know, in this world where people predicted in the in the digital world, now the advent of you know, TikTok and social, yeah, you know, before that, other forms of social media, you know, Meta and Instagram, and the like. What's what was going to happen? Young artists won't have a won't have a touring career. You know, what's going to happen when all the when all the old artists and old bands die off? Well, you know, I think we've transcended that now. You know, young artists are, 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 are doing the business, and they are they're doing it. And, and these heritage artists are still doing the business, which is great. So we've got a you know we've got a really a real purple patch, which I see no reason why that won't extend. And Jeff, I wanted to ask you about some of the world's biggest franchises and sports you brought to us to Australia. And I'm not really asking about possibility of them coming to New Zealand or anything, because I know the again this is very much a, a market driven thing. But I'm really interested to know basketball, ice hockey, football, some of the teams and players that have been out to Australia. You bring the biggest names, and what I really keen to know is. How does that negotiation all start? Perseverance. So in, I started, I first went to New York to speak to where all the major league sports in the US are headquartered in 2013. We brought, I met with the National Hockey League in 2013. Ten years later, we persevered and we got them to Melbourne a couple of weeks ago. We sold out two Rod Laver arenas. We had a, the, both teams you know, and every part of them raved about the reception they received and we've got a multi-year deal with the National Hockey League. In the same way with the NBA, we met with them. No, they weren't interested in bringing NBA teams to Australia, New Zealand, because they've got a very strong digital market down here. You know, we bat well above our weight population-wise with uh, NBA pass and their they're, they're, they're digital assets. So they're less interested in bringing it down here, but we we did a thing with 2019. We brought the US basketball team to Australia to play Australia. We had 53,000 people one night. The second night, we had 52,000 at, at um, Marvel Stadium. We won a contract a couple of years ago to bring Major Major League Baseball, unfortunately, in the negotiations on the enterprise bargaining with the Players Association. They didn't want to do any more international stuff, so we parked that for a few years, but we will ultimately bring baseball back down to Australia. We've brought two lots of NCAA Division One football, American football, college football, both to Sydney. We're in discussion at the moment with a number of other colleges. Interestingly, we're talking about New Zealand potentially for one of those, and that needs would need help from central government to, to make that vital. And that's, you know, that's the reality of these big sports and other things. You know, we're a long way away, both countries. We're affluent countries, and unfortunately, 
what comes down here means we, you know, we've got to pay for the privilege of bringing them here. So we have to, we have to, you know, I wouldn't use the word overpay, but we have to pay handsomely. And in order to make that commercially viable for my organisation or any other promoters, or you need some support from government who get a really big economic impact out of. And this is what, that's what governments are about. It's the same way, why do governments spend on anything? You know, it's the same as tourism spend. The event economy in both countries is really, really strong. You know, we always we always marvel at the number of uh, Kiwis that come to Melbourne to watch some of our musical theatre plays because they don't, they're not going to come to New Zealand. They're big, you know, big aficionados of musical theatre in in, uh, in New Zealand. Melbourne's a, a great city to visit, as is Sydney, clearly, and all them, you know, but, you know, they, they come in great numbers. So the government's just got to wise up that event tourism is a very strong way to, you know, to, you know, not just doesn't, you know, line the pockets of the of the promoters. It lines the pockets of restaurants, hotels, taxis, hire car companies, small businesses. It generates a lot. And you know, we've we're working on a product at the I don't know if you heard of it uh, called Abba Voyage. Abba Voyage is a, a product, um, holographic, amazing holographic technology. Yes. Um, it opened in May 2022 in in um, a place called Stratford near the the site of the uh, 2012 London Olympics Stadium, and it has been a global phenomenon. 54% of the people that have seen Abba Voyage have come from outside of London. It's got to get that you know this is this is really really you know significant. You know I do think your government um, you know, your I don't know whether you're going to have a new government or the same one return. Made the best best group win. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do know with your, what is it, proportional representations are really tricky, tricky to get a, a complete mandate. So that's, but that's maybe not outside my uh, my expertise to comment on. Yeah, I have my own opinion, but I'd better keep to that as well, Jeff. Um, <laughs> yes. if, we, if we could just touch on ticketing, uh, Jeff, how, again, how's the landscape particularly evolved over recent years and what trends are you yeah. noticing, observed in that? You know, mobile apps, digital ticketing. Everything, tickets are now delivered digitally. That's, you know, uh, hard tickets are you know, pretty much a thing of the past. That's a number of reasons, the simplicity about the pervasiveness of, of digital devices, be they laptops, desktops, obviously mobiles. Box office is still there, particularly for sport, but it's you know, it's it's very small. So over the years, I've seen the changes so we can stop scalping, see who's in your building, all those things. That's inextricably here to stay. The big ticketing companies are really strong. There's a bit of a thing. It's a, it's a very much a New Zealand thing. People wanting these smaller ticketing companies, you know, credit to them, give them a go. But the problem they, they have is they don't have a database. Yeah, they, you know, it's a, it's a fool's paradise for a, a promoter. They the the small companies give them the give them an advance of their box office. Dangerous activity, and there's been some danger, and you know, there's been some pretty well documented examples in New Zealand where those sort of companies have come unstuck. We've seen it in Australia as well, but it's pretty pervasive in New Zealand. The smaller companies. Now, I'm not saying don't don't deal with them. I'm saying that you know buyer beware. And the thing we find the reason companies are doing so well globally particularly Ticketmaster, I, you know, whilst they're our fierce competitor, I respect what they do, is because we have big databases and we we uh, work really hard on making whatever promoter, producer, sports, whatever, whoever's content it is, make that accessible to the, to the ticket buying public. And so, yeah, it's, you know, it's great to get your money up early and it's great to see some of these ticketing companies, you know, charge these small fees and, you know, they'll, they'll ultimately... There'll be a hiccup and things happen, but you know that's a bit of a New Zealand thing. It's less less pervasive in Australia. I think the thing of ticketing is just 
got to be careful about scalping. You, we've got to be careful about, you know, there is nothing more emotional than a ticket purchase for someone. If it's your, if it's your favourite band or, or your favourite sporting organisation or, or whatever it is, particularly, the, you know, the one-off, one-night thing or whatever, you only get a chance to see them. That's a great thing about our industry, but for a ticketing company, you, you know, wrongly, the AFL Grand Final, and there is no more it's a it's almost a near religious experience uh, selling tickets in an AFL grand final such as the the passion of the fans we had a the most passion of all fans collingwood who've got 106,000 members fitting into the mcg where i think their allocation of tickets was about 17 to 20,000 and then you know they say you know it's easy for the ceo of collingwood to come out and oh ticket tech didn't you know we were going you know, well ticket tech performed perfectly 100 percent but People get unhappy and they, you know, they, they you know, because they can't, get, they didn't get a ticket, and the Collingwood told them I won't get a ticket. So that happens all the time. You got to, you got to roll with the punches as a, in a ticketing company. It's, it's not for the faint-hearted. It's a brutal business, but it's a business we're proud to be in. The ticketing company people, be it Ticket Tech or any company, they care what they do. They get beaten up all the time, but they try really hard. You know, in a world where there's constant bot attacks, constant scalpers who are trying to get in there and rip the public off. The biggest trend I would say to people, buy and beware online who you buy from. Buy from the designated ticketing company. Yeah. Don't buy from someone purporting, purporting the likes of Viagogo and these uh, these resellers because that is danger. Because artists and management are really hell bent against that, and they will, you know, you will come unstuck if you do that. And Jeff, data security and privacy are they growing concerns, or are they being dealt to by you guys? They're absolutely top of mind constantly. We don't always get it right, all of us, but we're really, really, really mindful of it. You know, our whole world is, you know, we're you know, we're going rapidly towards, I won't call it a cashless society, but we're coming towards, a, you know, close to it, right? We, mm-hmm. we all sort of laugh now when we use cash. You know, that, you know, the security of data, privacy, are just things we spend, cyber security. It's the biggest buzzword in our world. We've, we've ex- we're spending millions of dollars in ensuring we, um, we have a, our environment is protected against all form of hackers and people who are, um, who are trying to do the wrong thing. And Jeff, are there any? Just wonder if you could tip us into something that people don't know about. Are there any game-changing innovations on the horizon that we we've got attendees and promoters can look forward to in the ticketing world? Yes. Depends what you characterise against. There's a lot of this constant development around, you know, what we do. You know, things like, you know, with your ticket, you can you can order all your pre-order your food and have it delivered. Yeah. See, there's all that sort of stuff. And how how your ticket, the versatility of your ticket, game changes about protecting the barcode so it can't be scalped because uh, you know artists are demanding that more and more. There's constant work with venues because venues need to know who's in their building. For security purposes, we sometimes take it for granted where we live in New Zealand or Australia, you know, the great life we have down here. So we, we can never take ourselves for granted. So we're always looking at security and uh, making sure that we deliver the best possible uh, consumer experience. Couldn't agree more. Jeff, we're just about at the end, and I really, again, uh, want to thank you so much for your time. Something we like to do in every podcast is to ask our guests about a memorable or unique moment. I thought I'd ask you that, hoping, you know, that, You've had so many successes. Is there one moment or a particular moment that you made yourself made yourself really proud of your organisation? I'm proud every day. Our team, our New Zealand team, our Australia, our global team go above and beyond. This is a we're privileged to work in this industry, but it's a tough industry. It demands a lot of your time. A lot of you know our people work really hard. They you know they they 
they cop a lot of crap. It's a technical term for hard time, um, <laughs> but they but they're res- they, they they're resilient and they're proud to work in this industry. I was really proud February the sixteenth, twenty God, I'm getting old now, twenty twenty, when we did a thing in Australia in Sydney called Firefight. Yes, which was a festival when when New South Wales was ravaged by fires. We happened to be touring at the time. Queen and Adam Lambert, Michael Bublé, Alice Cooper, with those three. And oh, we brought out KD Lang, who's one of our artists. We brought and we we had, you know, the biggest Australian artists, and we people gave of their time. We raised twelve and a half million dollars through that concert and the support of you know, our broadcasters who, who took it live across across the country and, and many parts of the world. Uh, that was a really proud moment bringing that together because we did it with about you know we came up with the idea just before, just after you know, early january we put that concert on in six seven weeks and it was massively successful that was a proud moment i'm proud of what we've achieved me it was a, a real watershed in july august of this year we did we promoted 17 games of european football in 10 markets in eight countries wow. in the space of i think about 18 days so that was a no mean achievement you know cities like Edinburgh and dublin bangkok singapore perth las vegas chicago san diego etc so that just showed where we've you know you know, from the humble days when we started in, you know, we started pretty well, I suppose, in 2015 with soccer with uh, 100,000 to watch Real Madrid versus Manchester City, the Melbourne Cricket Ground. But we've really grown that way and we, you know, we continue to have ambitions. So all of those are proud moments. Yeah, Jeff. Well, that marks the end of this sound check, and it's been superb. You're extremely busy and you've got an iconic event kicking off in Sydney next week. So we are truly appreciative of your time. It's been really great to talk and get your perspective on a number of aspects. And as always, Jeff, really appreciated your straight shooting nature, not only informative, but, you know, telling it like it is. So thanks so much for your time, Jeff. My pleasure, Gary. Great. Be great to talk to you. If you're keen to hear more sound checks with event industry experts like Jeff, please subscribe to the Soundcheck on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen.